good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. spiritual concept we are talking about this month is prosperity. Not too long ago, I got uh, together with a couple of people who I work with. We are all friends, but we work on opposite shifts, so we never really get to sit down together and have fun together. So we did. It was really nice. We know each other well enough that it was sweet and friendly. And then came that question that can make or break a conversation. So, what's going on with you? For some reason, we all went to the deepest, darkest places of ourselves. We all started talking about all the things that had been going wrong in life. None of these things were really bad, but it was just the idea that we went to that point immediately without thinking. Now, I'm not slamming the people who I got together with at all. But I'll tell you, after I heard myself for about two and a half minutes, I wanted to go take a shower or something. It just didn't feel good that that's what I had chosen to talk about. I took part in that conversation and wasn't thrilled about it. An example of a time when I chased something that was not spiritual prosperity. Ever happened to you? On the one hand, it's really nice to work with people who are my friends. It's really nice to have friends who I can share things with and, and really feel comfortable doing that. But it was exhausting because it was negative. And that's what happens when I don't stand in my spiritual prosperity. It affects my energy. A very short conversation, if it's not on prosperous subject matter, can make me feel depleted. So I was really glad when we moved on to something lighter, politics. <laughs> what a relief. Prosperity is like a lot of other spiritual concepts. We know how it works. We know what to do. We see its value. We just have to do it. We know our thoughts are powerful. We know that what we think becomes real. We know that as soon as it comes to our minds or our mouths, it becomes law. So this idea of practicing spiritual prosperity is the opportunity and this blessing of being able to look at ourselves. What are you thinking 
when that person cuts you off on the highway? Is it prosperous? What are you saying when members of your family disagree with you? <laughs> Is it prosperous? What direction are you going and what are you chasing? Because you'll find it. When we chase negativity and toxicity, we find it. When we chase spiritual prosperity, that's what we find. So we have to put on our prosperity superhero capes. You have one. It might be way back in the back of the closet, but you have it. What is your spiritual prosperity cape? I also have a Wonder Woman bracelet that I wear sometimes to just kind of remind me of who I am and where I am. Those little reminders make all the difference in the world. And we need those reminders. About 30 years ago, there was a professional baseball player, really just a remarkable pitcher, who sometimes got distracted from what he was doing. So, on his cap, under the bill, on the bottom side of the bill, he took a marker and made an arrow pointing straight ahead. It was so, he said, that he wouldn't be distracted. By the crowd? No. By the weather? No. From himself. He could distract himself and blow it. But he felt like as long as that little arrow was there, he could stay focused on the batter and on the next pitch he was going to throw. We all need that arrow. We all need that arrow that keeps us pointed in the right direction towards spiritual prosperity. My arrow, when I lose my way, when I have to refocus, my arrow is that I come back to purpose. Purpose, when I'm connected to my purpose, I feel like I'm standing in a glow. I feel like all these lights are on me no matter where I am. It just feels right. It's like your favorite yellow fuzzy sweater that fits just right and makes you feel so cozy. You know when you are in that place of spiritual prosperity. When I get off course, just like the ball player, just like the pitcher, it's usually because I've distracted myself in some way. And it's usually because I'm thinking of myself and I'm not thinking of other people. There's a connection between spiritual prosperity and what we do for others. When I'm not focused on my purpose, I'm going around in circles. Many years ago, I spent a considerable number of years in a relationship with a race car driver. And there's usually somebody in the crowd who laughs at that, and I'm not sure why, but I did. See, I, I see you, yes. That was a fascinating time in my life because those guys, they were all guys, those guys spent so much money on their cars. They spent so much money on, on the equipment that they had and so much time in garages getting ready and then so much time on the track. And they had so much fun. It was really a lot of fun to be in that community of drivers. But at the end of the day, after they had chased the checkered flag and after they had 
really tested their endurance and their driving abilities, at the end of the day, they had just driven around in circles. They hadn't really gone anywhere at all. That's how it feels when we're out of our purpose, when we're not in our purpose. We're just going around in circles, chasing something that we're excited about that makes us happy, but it just doesn't matter. And sometimes it's the complaining that we do about what's not working in our lives. But when I get back to purpose, everything changes. I stand up straight. I remember who I am. I remember my value in the world. The core of spiritual prosperity is purpose. And the core of purpose is empathy. When I do things for myself, meh. But when I put on my superhero cape, the one that's marked empathy on the back, then I reach a higher level of spiritual prosperity. When I do things for someone else, I devote myself. I'm selfless in a way that I am not when I'm just focused on myself. And the good that I do for everyone else comes back to me. Sometimes it takes a while, but it does. And we know it does. There's science behind this. Research shows that empathy pays big dividends. Something actually happens in our brains, physiologically happens in our brains when we do something for someone else that doesn't happen when we're operating just for ourselves. It really does make a difference. And that's why we feel better and healthier and lighter and brighter. And we know, as metaphysical people, that energy is infinite. Positive energy keeps circulating. Unfortunately, so does negative energy. So it's really all up to us. Your spiritual prosperity makes a difference to me. My spiritual prosperity makes a difference to you. Those energies are intertwined. So we want to do this for each other. We are all in it together. We are operating together, just as Faith Moran used to say, just as our music says this morning. We are doing this for each other and benefiting from it as well. When I look at the times in my life that I was looking at myself first, those were kind of trying times. Those were not certain times. There was great, a feeling of great uncertainty during those times. But when I look at the times in my life when I was really doing it for someone else, those years just flew by effortlessly and were very easy. One of the questions that people ask about what I do for a living is how early I get up. Okay. But the other question that people ask all the time is, how do you stand in that one room, seven feet by eight feet, listening to news coverage for six hours? How do you do that? It's really easy. It's empathy. There is nothing difficult about it when I put on my superhero cape that says empathy. I listen with a kind of compassion that I didn't know I had before I had that job. I've cultivated my empathy. It's become my purpose. The job of an NPR host is not to say we get support from. 
It's not to tell you what the weather forecast is. The job of an NPR host is to be with you, to share the morning with you, to be with you through the day. When the news is good, I play happy music and we dance together. I can't see you, but I know you're dancing and believe me, I am too. It's not pretty, but I am. When the news is sad, I'm holding your hand. I am literally thinking of one person and have my arm around that person. I'd like to say it's going to be okay. It might not be, but it's going to be as okay as we make it. That's really what I do for a living. And from those moments, you make decisions about your life. And then those decisions are shared energetically with everyone. You know, I never finished that show feeling depleted. Five minutes talking about my problems made me feel awful. But many hours understanding what the role is and understanding the empathy with which I can do that work. I know I've always set something in motion that's going to continue. And that's a good feeling. It's an exchange of energy. I'm doing my part at my end, you're doing your part at your end, and the thoughts and the words that we have, we know are coming back to us. That's true of every part of our lives. If money is your goal, okay, you can meet the goal, you can make a lot of money, it might not feel very good. If you go through every day feeling like maybe there's something missing, then maybe that's your call to reconnect with your purpose. Maybe that's your moment of understanding that there is something else you should be doing. And that's how you reconnect with your spiritual prosperity. I'm really glad that we're going to be doing the transformation class again starting in January. It's always a lot of fun. One of the things that's fun is that we sit in a circle and we get to see the glow and the light on everyone's faces when, they, when each person realizes purpose. It's something they always had. It's something that they are already doing. They reconnect with it and wow, that light shines in them and we all get to witness it. The people in that class have done some really amazing things. I can't wait for the next group. I have spent part of my working years interviewing authors and there were a couple of women two authors who I talked to a couple of years ago, and I talked to them pretty close together. Completely different sensibility and sensitivity to spiritual prosperity. One of them wrote a book in which the characters were just kind of wandering aimlessly through their lives. No sense of purpose at all. And I said, what I always ask of authors, how is this connected to your life? And she said, oh, it isn't really. Oh, okay. And then I talked to her about one particular scene, a very lengthy scene in her book that went on for pages and pages and pages that might be the most violent thing that I've ever read in my life. And I asked her why she felt that she should write something like that. And she said, well, there's violence in the world, so I'm going to write about it. But it was fiction, which meant that she put hours and hours of energy into writing something dark and visceral 
and violent that hadn't really happened. And then she shared it with the world. She invented violence where there was none. But then I talked to another author, another woman, just like a month later, whose childhood had included very awful moments of sexual abuse by a relative. And as violent as that part of her life must have been, that's not how she wrote it in her book. So we talked about that. Why did you not write the detail that you could have written? And she said it's because it was not her purpose. She's a writer. She's a speaker. Her purpose is not to share the violence. Her purpose is to see people where they are, who they are, and let them know they're not alone, and let them know that other people have gone through this too and come through it. That's her purpose, not to give details, but to have empathy and to connect with people. Now, the woman who wrote the very violent book found success. She sold a lot of books. But that second author is the one who glows. She delivers a very important message. She's a person of purpose. She's a person who stays in my heart because of the, the connection that she has with people. And she's a great example of spiritual prosperity. You can always build your spiritual prosperity. You can always refine and redefine your purpose, because you already have it. You can start something new, but you can also work with what's right there, inside you, in front of you. Just reconnect with it in a new way. There is a, a process for doing that, a process for reconnecting with purpose. In my world, if you can't do something in five steps, it's not worth doing. So there are five steps to this. First of all, remember what you already know. Look at who you already are. See what's there. Look at how your thoughts and your words are coming out. Positive, negative, prosperous or not? Are they self-serving or do they contribute to something greater? Then look at the complaints you're expressing. There are some complaints that are worth expressing. I don't want to say you should never complain about anything, but do you complain about everything? How do you feel when you do that? Is it kind of yucky? Then you can change that. You can do something a little bit different. Just look at the nature of what you're putting out into the world. Then you can realign. You can realign. And since energy circulates, put out what you want to get back. If you're not having a good day, change it. Then figure out how you can put someone else first. Don't do life for you. Do life for the rest of the world. You'll be OK. It comes back in great ways. Do something that benefits someone other than yourself. And then finally, take authentic action. Make your purpose a reality. And it's not a, I think I'd like to do that someday. It's a now when you leave that building. Life is short, people. 
Don't waste your purpose. You have too much to give to avoid doing it. Those five things I just mentioned, I like the number five, but they also align beautifully with the five unity principles that we talk about every week. They're parallel to those in every way. You know that old saying that there is nothing you can do for a child that's ever wasted? That's not limited to children. Nothing you do for anyone is ever wasted. Your energy is always doing something. So watch what you're chasing and live on purpose instead. I want to leave you with a prayer from the Dalai Lama. And I admit I saw this on the internet and I thought, did he really come up with that prayer? I don't know. But it came through Jack Korngold, so you know there are a couple of good resources there that give it some legitimacy. It's a short paragraph, but it's good. May I be a guard for those who need protection, a guide for those on the path, a boat, a raft, a bridge for those to cross the flood. May I be a lamp in the darkness, a resting place for the weary, a healing medicine for all who are sick. For as long as earth and sky endure, may I assist until all living beings are awakened. May I assist until all living beings are awakened. What a goal. What a path to spiritual prosperity is laid out for us there. It's simpler than we make it. Let's take this message into prayer. Divine Presence, allow us to see who we are. Allow us to remember what we have to offer. Allow us to see that spiritual prosperity is already here. It's with us. It's in us for us to recognize and for us to give to each other. May we assist until all beings are awakened. And together we say, and so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website, at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center